So this year, we usually pick a, a book of the Bible because I think it's important to go in, you know, in context and to, to learn more of the Bible. And then we kind of dovetail that with Titus 2. And this year, we're going to be covering Psalm 119, which is just amazing. So I'm going to ask Linda to come up and read the first eight verses for us so we can get, kind of get our mind and heart on them. Thank you, Jennifer. Uh, like Jennifer said, my name is Linda. Uh, and I am so happy to be back. <laughs> we all agree. Um, so Psalm 119, 1 through 8, and I'm reading from the ESV version. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently, Oh, that my ways be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame. Having my eyes fixed on all your commandments, I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. So uh, in the, the book of uh, Psalm 119, it's 176 verses, longest chapter in the Bible. Um, some things about it I thought were very interesting. And one is that 171 of those verses refer back to the word of God in one way or another. And you won't just find the word, you'll find testimonies, statutes, wisdom, let's see what are some other words, commandments, or law. So just about every verse you point it back to the word of God. So that's how important God's word is. If you open your blue notebook, you will find a um, note taking this hour. You get a one of the blue notebooks are gone. Huh. Awesome. That's always a good problem. Um, so the word is simple. So when you look at the, you know, when you look at Psalm 119, can't, it's not going to build on itself. Like one verse doesn't lead to the next, to the next, to the next. It was described as being a treasure chest full of gold coins. And picture yourself as picking those coins up and letting them drop from your fingers. They're all independent. Now, there's a lot of repetition, but uh, Charles Spurgeon said if you, if you look at this and only see uh, repetition, then it's because uh, you're not looking carefully. He said it's like a kaleidoscope. If you look real careful, the verses are similar, they just turned a little bit this or that, so you, there's always something fresh to new. And so we'll be going through, uh, we'll be digging out some things, some things that repeat over the course of the semester and some things that, that really stand out, okay? Um, and over the years, um, well, let me, let me say this first. There's a kind of a little bit of conflict about who wrote Psalm 119. When I read that, I, I hear David. It just seems like very obvious, but there's some that believe it was the prophet Ezra. So both men who loved God. So we'll just call them the Psalms. That agreeable to everybody. At the time the Psalms were written to this, there was only five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, the first five books. So all this praise and all this worship on five books of the And I don't, I don't know, ladies. I, I think I look at those books. I think what I that I have known to praise in this much. We've got this whole book, and I don't praise it. You know, I just thought it was very interesting. We only had five books of the Bible to go off of to know God. 
And over the course of history, Psalm 119 has been treasured by some of the really, really, I won't say famous, but you know, noted believers. One of them would be William Wilberforce, who was um, the slave owner converted to Christianity. He memorized the entire. We're going to talk about memorization. Uh, I'm not going to ask you the whole book. Um, if you do, maybe I have something for you. <laughs> I'd be obligated at it. And then uh, David Livingston, famous sharing Africa, uh, also memorized it. And then I thought this was a sweet story. Matthew Henry is a famous commentator from the early 1900s. And his dad had told his children to read one verse of Psalm 119 every day and meditate on it. And if they did that every day, they would go through the whole book of Psalm 119 in a year. And that's just how special it is. You know, really, it's a century kind of a, of a chapter. So it is a very, very special book. And I hope that you will spend the time. I'll tell you a little too. There, so there's 22 sections in, one, in Psalm 119. And each of those sections goes with the, the Hebrew letter. So, you know, like ABC, whatever the are. <laughs> so let's just look at the first eight verses here again. I know Linda read it, but let's just let's go through it a little bit. There's some things I'm going to pull out. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimony. So you may have a different version. I don't, you know, we don't, don't uh, dictate what version you do, but it's fun to look at the different version. Um, and, and pull out different things that were that were actually happy, truly happy. Happy are those who follow in his way. And they keep, they walk in the law of the Lord, they keep his testimonies, and they seek him with their whole heart. That always resonates with me, that whole heart, doesn't it? But we find out very soon in, in uh, Psalm 119, if you look down at, um, Verse 5 and 6, Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Then I would not be ashamed when I look into all your commandments. So David knows, or the psalmist knows, that he falls short, right? That he's not capable of keeping God's testimonies, keeping his law on his own. And I just think it's really important that we start this month to remembering that that's true of all of us. You know, if we think we have it together, then we really all look together. Because each of us has an evil, simple heart. I had someone tell me the other day, said, oh, I can never be evil. And I said, well, you know, maybe you couldn't be an axe murderer. We were talking about some of the terrible things that had gone on uh, in the news. So you may not be capable, you know, I'm not capable of that. But God says about our hearts that they are desperately wicked. And that's because they're evil. And do you know what evil and sin is? That's wanting anything other than God. That's pretty simple, right? And God also, Jesus pointed out to us, it's not just uh, if you say something or do something, but it's also what you think about and what you, you know, what you think about in your heart. If I think sinful thoughts, aren't you glad, by the way, nobody can read your thoughts? I mean, sometimes I would <laughs> Because a lot of times I don't want you to But they can be very simple. And God tells us from the beginning that we are simple. And from the very first man and woman, Adam and Eve, sin entered the world. 
And you say, well, that's not fair because you know now the God says we all sin. But the thing that's also not fair is that we're all saved. So we're condemned by one, we're saved. And so if we confess our sins to God, if we believe that Jesus Christ became the perfect son and son of God and son of man, he came to earth, he died for our sins, that paid the wages of sin for our, our sins. And then he, gives us, he makes us a new creature. And then we have that strength. And he gives us this trifecta, this trifecta of a new creature. He gives us his word. He gives us his spirit. And we need all those things to have the strength it takes. And you know what? We still fail, don't we? We try and we try again. Think about your own children. You know, would you say, oh, you failed, never mind, you're not good anymore? Oh, God is totally patient with us and we learn this road and he knows that we're going to sin. But he wants us to sin. So I wanted to look today at um to today's lesson should be called preparing our hearts. So how do we get our hearts? How do we get in a place like the psalmist? Where we love God, where we worship him. First thing I see when I look at this psalm is that um, we completely trusted God. When you read that first verse, you see anything in there that says, well, maybe if you kind of looked at the word like everyone wants to follow, like maybe, you know, everyone wants to follow God in the morning, you might read five minutes. And... No, he has this total, total trust that if he goes God's way, his life will be. That if we obey his word law, that will be happy. If we keep his testimonies, will be happy. If we do that with a whole heart, we'll be happy. The world tries to convince us of everything opposite, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Satan wants to keep us from this blessed place of our Creator. Do we have to decide, you know, do I do I want to walk in his way? Or do I want to walk in my if the psalmist showed us showed us the way to start that journey. To trust. And I'll tell you, ladies, in a context like this, you know, when, you, when you're going through something hard and you connect with one of the women here who's had something hard and you can relate, you know, the God's word to you the way to, maybe it's not the same situation, but they know that the word of God is true for you as it's true for them. That's life changing. That's encouraging. That's what we're supposed to do for each other. That's believers. Encourage each other. This is okay. This is hard. You can go obey God. You can get through it. You're still going to find God's blessed place on the house. And I guess we have to ask ourselves, am I all in? You ever wonder that about yourself? Am I all in? You've been listening to Nancy Wilgamoth. I can't tell her. But she's been talking about suffering this week. And she said, you know, how do you know that you stand up to suffering? You know, that true suffering is a belief. And she said, you don't know. All you know is that you can be faithful to the things that are in front of you today. So am I all in and my, my whole heart of desire to follow him, regardless of what's going on? Am I all in? The second thing about the psalmist is he's got this 
dialogue going on with, with God. What does that call? It's called prayer, right? A prayerless life is a is a powerless Christian. We have to be praying. We have to be on our knees. It's how we it's how we learn something. It's how we communicate. It's how we see answers. It's an indicator of where we're at. And boy, does Satan love to distract from that one. It's really important to, to protect that time. Maybe it's first thing in the morning for you, or if you have the leaves that head you up really early, maybe it's the middle of the night, or maybe it's in the afternoon when you're napping after you've had dinner. <laughs> I want you to uh, reach in your little books there. I'm sorry if you didn't get my luggage in. But uh, this is the IOUs. Um, I found this while reading. This is from our, um, John Piper put these verses together, and it's a way to prepare our heart before we pray or before we study God's word. And Angie made these, I think you. That's a key for yeah. Um, but when we're thinking about praying, Piper suggests going to these, praying to these verses. You know, um, Psalm 119.36 says, Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish shame. When I open that Bible, when I sit down to pray, what am I thinking about? All the things that I need, all the things that I want, all the things I want fixed, all the things I want to control, making it my story, or am I praying and reading to be part of this? God, what would you have me do to How should I handle this situation? God, give me your grace and mercy. Give me the ability to forgive as you forgive. I love that. Incline my heart to your testimonies. So the psalmist is even admitting he can't incline his own heart. God, you push me that way. Incline me that way. Another verse out of Psalm 119. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Open my eyes. You know, there's times I can sit in front of the Bible, read a chapter death, and not remember one thing I said that he said. Because my mind's in other places. But to ask God, open my eyes, help me to see, help me just not to gloss over, draw me in and convict. And then you, as you unite my heart to fear your name, that's Psalm 86 11, I think. Uh, so unite my heart, that's that idea of what? Whole heart, right? I don't have a divided heart. Well, I may have a divided but I'm asking God to unite them, make it one, make it all in, make it all for him. And then as the satisfies in the morning with your steadfast love in the psalm, right? Verse 14. I know not everybody can have a, a long morning quiet time. I certainly didn't when I had six little kids at home. But it's really important. Seek him in the morning. You know, make it make it short. You know, we we're to be praying all the time, so it doesn't have to be a long time. But to really purposely stop and ask him, what is it you want for my time? Let him fill you. Don't don't ask. Don't get up and start running. And then at the end of the day, ask him what he did. I mean, we do that, right? But it's better if we start the day seeking. Everybody's good on that. So it's one nineteen verse eight. Thank you.
And the, the other thing is, we don't always feel like her. We're not always feeling God. You know, we don't always feel that, that desire. And so we have to pray, you know, Lord, unite my heart, open my eyes, and find my heart, get me there. So we can't get ourselves there. But as a result of time and the word, we learn to worship him. Pray that scripture to him. Confess. You know, when we read, when we look at his word, we should flee when there's things that don't line up. We can confess those things and ask him to join us. Be thankful. Prayer mm -hmm. is pretty rich. I want to shortcut that to him. For the psalmist. Trust God, praise to God, and he's teachable. Do you think you're teachable? I want to be teachable. Uh, if you look up, sometimes I heard that. <laughs> Honesty. Um, Psalm 111, verses 1 and 2. Praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord my whole heart, there it is again, in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. The works of the Lord are great, studied by all who have pleasure in them. I don't know, when I look at, I read Psalm 119, I think it's exciting. You know, when I find that little turn in kaleidoscope, oh, oh gosh, I haven't thought of that way. Oh, that's deeper understanding of my Lord. You know, the word should excite us. And like I said, we do have times of, you know, just not capable of, of maintaining an awesome love always. But we can act on it whether we feel it or not. I wanted to look at Proverbs 2. One of my favorites as a kid. Well, not a kid. I became a believer when I was 17. And I uh, married young. And then... Uh, had three, where I had three little kids, a friend invited me here. That's how long I've been coming. Um, and Naomi, who was the founder of uh, Kassam, loved the Proverbs. And so one of the first Proverbs I memorized with her was uh, Proverbs. Um, <laughs> oh, I was about to go to um, 3, 5, through 7. Um, Fear of the Lord is beginning in my mind. Well, that's gone. Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean on But I just, I do love Proverbs. And you can, Proverbs is like you can read a proverb a day and read one that could just be Proverbs once a month. And it's a great way to be reminded of God's words and God's way. But this is the heart that God's looking for from us. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to my wisdom, and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasure, then you will understand her fear. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He is our source. He is the source of true knowledge and true understanding. I love this part. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield for those who walk uprightly. He guards the paths of justice and preserves the way of his saints. 
Then you will understand righteousness and judge justice, equity in every good path. So, you know, the word teachable could mean, I guess, anything, but we're talking about in the context of scripture, you know, that no matter what you're learning in life, whatever you're hearing in life, you're running into that filter of scripture. What does God say? All the crazy things we've got going on right now, it's like, well, that can't be true. Well, that can't be true. That says it's not true. It can't be true. And so we don't have to be waffling and wondering what's reality. And because the truth is right here. Amen. And it's a foundation and it keeps us safe. And I would say to you, mamas and grandmamas, to make sure that you're teaching your own heart. And that you are teaching the truth to your children and your grandchildren. And, you know, if your kids like mine are grown, I have uh, grandchildren, you know. And we can be too wordy, maybe too busy sometimes, but they could never see a doubt in us. When we do speak, it should be about the truth of God's word. You know, loving and kind of way. And there's going to be hard things in our own family. There was a GD Symphony, a sweet magazine, I haven't even read it, but it's about a Christian family who raised their kid, and all of a sudden, this child is, is transgender. What do you do with it? I don't know. I haven't heard the wrong one. But I do know that our responsibility is to speak the truth. I don't know about you, but when I'm going through something, if someone speaks that truth to me, it says, you know, I need to hear it, I need to be reminded. So that's our keeper of the home and being a Christian mom, Christian grandma. Is that we speak the truth, and our kids should know it because of what we see. Does that make sense? If we speak it enough, they will recognize it. You know, they, they learn the truth from us, they go to school and go, Oh, that can't be true. You know, and that's what you want for your kid. You don't want them to have to be confused. And you are responsible for what your children learn. I did homeschool through sixth grade, and then kids went to school in college. That's and that's only 10, 15 years ago. And ladies, y'all have your hands. You have to be really careful what they're being taught, and you need to make really sure that they understand what truth is. And that means that our teachers come sharing secrets. I don't think we can put our kids in a situation where they have an authority that we've approved of, and that teacher is teaching them things that are untrue. So be careful. Talk that out with your husband and your, you know, your trusted Christian friends, and honestly, that is a big one to see. So I'm going to look at Psalm 5017 if you want to write that one down. This is the opposite of being teachable. But to the wicked, God says, What right have you to declare my statutes or take my covenant in your mouth? Seeing you hate instruction and you cast my words behind you. Do we treasure this word and keep it in front of us? Or are we just like, ah, oh, I don't need that? It's a new time, new world, new day. Treasure, treasure this morning. So our psalmist trusted God, prayed to God, 
and a teachable spirit that was evident by the fact that the word is mentioned in every verse, just about. And then he was humble. He was humble. So if we say we're humble, then we're not, right? <laughs> being humble means being willing to listen. It means being obedient. It's the opposite of being stiff-necked and rebellious. A humble person has a hunger and thirst for God's word. They accept God's authority and plan. When things happen that are really hard, and you'll maybe have something this year that you want to talk to one of the leaders about or get some counsel from you know, about. Um, but the bottom line is, whatever's going on, God has allowed it. And so with a humble spirit, we have to say, God, what is it that you're trying to teach me? You know, what, what is the purpose in this? You may never know. But, but just a, a, um, a surrender to God and his will. And when I do that, it results in things like joy. Okay? Joy in my salvation. Joy in the hope of eternity. It's hard for an unbeliever to understand how someone can be joyful with God through all things. God gives us that joy. It's supernatural. It's of the spirit. He tells us to in everything give thanks. What if I grumble and mumble? Well, then I don't have a very humble spirit. And he tells us that all things work together for those who love God, for good, for those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. Do I believe that? That's a call to humility. Knowing that no matter what's going on, God has ordained it. It's just a plague of knowing that God knows what's best. And do I always understand it? No. Do awful things happen? Yes. Do hard things happen? Yes. But God says, look in my face. Look here. Humble. So I think we get tripped up in looking at all these things that Psalmist had going. Uh, I think we get tripped up in our own pride, don't we? So when we when we want to put ourselves first, that's when we get tripped up. The Ten Commandments are really designed to help us see our own sin. There, if we read through the Ten Commandments, we're bound to see our own pride, right? To start with number one, you shall love no other gods before me. What do we put before God? My my me time. Money, happiness, and what do I put above God? Facebook, social media. <laughs> you may say, oh, I don't put those things ahead, but oh, look at the time you spend in social media compared to the time you pray or read your Bible. So, what am I choosing? I'm choosing something other than God. I'm not content in social media, I'm just going to be careful. I love looking at my grandkids. But be careful what not to let anything go in front of your love for God. Or not to make idols 
not to put things up to worship in front of him, not to use the word of the Lord in vain, keep the Sabbath day holy, honor God at that, that time. Honor your father and mother, that's honor God's order. Not murder, not even in our hearts, not wish murder on someone. That's usually a response to something we want. Not what not want what belongs to others by committing adultery or stealing or bearing false witness. The whole thing commandments points out the fact that we are very prideful and we are very full of self. So we need to examine our hearts. And then we're to compare what's going on in our hearts with what's going on in God's work. And when we find that those things don't agree, what should we do? Confess, right? And then return, 180 return away from sin, run the opposite way. So I thought, well, how do we know when we're being prideful? Does anybody have a sense of when they're prideful? Do you feel it? Do you feel it kind of when your face gets a little hot? <laughs> Start seeing. So <laughs> I figure out for myself, uh, I'm being prideful when I'm easily offended. Does that resonate with anybody? And I find that I'm offended when someone does assume that I don't know something that's rude. Or they um, do respect when somebody treats me poorly. <laughs> and the woman looked at my chart to see how old I was, and then she asked me things like, Do you have hearing aids? Do you use a walker? Are you showing up home? I'm like, Very offended that you're asking these questions. And I picture health, by the way. People are offended. I, I, you know, so it's really important to put those things. Don't just let thoughts go through your head. We'll talk about that next week. We don't just let things roll and not check them. We check them against what God says. And I know, you know, when I'm offended, I usually say something snarky and then I say soft. So if I ever do that to you, please just share. <laughs> Get closer, I can write <laughs> The other way I know about being prideful is I make excuses. I don't really have to obey what God says in that area because, because. I think that comes up a lot in the, in the area of marriage and divorce and sex in general, just that man-woman relationship, you know. God's told us what he expects of us, and we don't think it applies to us. Well, I'm just really not happy with this guy. You know, we were really young when we got married, and we've gone different ways. Or, um, you know, he's just kind of you know, it's kind of lazy. I think it's funny. I need to put on. <clears throat> so, for those reasons, I think it's okay that I do divorce. God says he hates divorce, ladies. We don't counsel divorce here. We don't judge. If you have a divorce in your past, you work on the marriage that you have now. Uh, you will find ladies in that situation, and that's okay. But we don't give pause to that. And if, if you're in a really a hard place, we have a couple that's more than happy to. Counsel you as a cop. But if we counsel you as woman to woman, we will work our hearts to help you see your way to stay in the marriage. Aside from abuse, I always have to say. But it is our 
heart's desire. And we have seen thousands of marriages. You know, I had one lady come back after being gone on a while, and she said, I thought I had a good marriage, but it could be so much better. That's a very, very common response. Or one lady who left for two years to go um, pursue her career, and she came back, and she had been a leader, and she came back, she said, I can't even teach anymore because I'm, I'm so far away. I need so she sat under teacher's program before she was willing to serve. This is different than anything you're going to get in your Women love knowledge. And that's what most Bible studies are. And I don't know why I said that. I don't know why I said that. Pull it all apart and see how wonderful it is, how put it back together. But here, ladies, we're hard on <laughs> Don't you want to know? <laughs> You know, we, we work, we, we seek the truth because it's what's needed for us. We're not here just to make you, you know, in a separate lives. We're here to teach you to really, really love God. And you're praying, maybe you're not married, and that's okay. You have other women in your lives, and you can come alongside them. And it creates this nice, big, ever widening circle. We can all speak God's word into someone else's life. As marriages are the core of what God has for our country, you know, um, there are actually countries now that are disappearing because abortion has become so prevalent that they're not replacing their own knowledge. Does that break your heart? We, America, is being less and less. You know, our birth rate is going down because we just, we're too busy to have children. This is what I'm talking about in the area of pride. And if you have an abortion in your past, we love you. God forgives you. You can, you can be forgiven. God treasures each and every little baby. And he wants us to treasure it. And so we are so prideful in this that it is okay to Get rid of a child all the way up to birth because that child's going to interrupt the plans you have for your career or the things that you wanted to do or the places you wanted to see. Those are not the things that God says are important. God says relationships, family relationships, where the mom and dad have children and they teach the word and it goes down to the generations. Your children are believers because you. But you they learn God's word for you and their potential for being a believer, to understanding God's word is much greater if they hear it from you. God values young and old. And what have you done with our old people? God calls them a treasure, and those little white hairs are amazing wisdom. And we stick in the nursing homes because they all want to be interrupted in what we've got to do. Why him? <laughs> <I saw that. laughs> it's beautiful. God calls us you. And God has called us to be servants. We don't work. That's where the pride comes out. Don't ask him to serve him. You're not going to pick up his gear. I don't care what he wants for dinner. You know, we have this old pride thing was on. And God says, the servant. You know, will be first. He who wants to be first will be last. But the servant, he is first. There is real joy, real blessedness that circles all the way back 
the beginning of someone continuing or plastically walking in space. It doesn't make sense to How can I be happy by serving? How can I be happy by giving up what I want? That's not And we can trust him, and we can try him, and we can share with each other how he does that for each of us and how we've seen it work. The leaders here don't have perfect lives, but we have a perfect God and we love you. So I hope you stick around for the semester or two or three or six or ten. Whatever it takes. Um, and I have a little thoughts for you this morning to take home and give it a week. We're going to call this Titus homework at the end of each one. I can't remember if I wrote it on the paper. I think I do. What do I love more than I love God? Really spend some time thinking about it. And don't just deny it. Come and watch your time. What am I spending my time doing? What's important to me? If somebody was to walk into my home, spend a week with me, what would they say is important to me? And if there is something that's taking this place, where do I need to confess? Where do I need to change? And am I a humble, teachable servant to God? To my husband and to my children. So I hope to think about those things this week. Um, I'm going to close in prayer. Oh, Father, give us the humility which realizes its ignorance, admits its mistakes, recognizes its need, welcomes advice, and accepts rebuke. Help us always to praise rather than to criticize, to sympathize, sympathize rather than to be down, to encourage rather to, than to discourage, to build rather than to destroy, and to think of people at their best rather than at their worst. This we ask, dear Lord. Dear Jesus, I just thank you for this um, special prayer. We pray that you would. Just help us remember these things, Lord. Help us not to just stand up and walk out the door and forget. Help us to be teachable and climb our hearts. Open our eyes. Just pray that you would make this a, a special, special group of ladies this year that we would learn from your word, learn from each other. Lord, we would be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen.